Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Baltimore Orioles 2, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And to quote Harry Doyle from Major League, one hit, one hit? Yeah. That's all the Guardians were able to muster on this night. And, you know, I always give you full disclosure. Uh, I was not able to watch this game. Uh, had a, an event I was helping a buddy with. He runs the, uh, he owns and manages the Cleveland Brew Shop. So if you're into home brewing, I'm going to give him a free ad right here on the show. Uh, if you're into home brewing uh, and you're in the Cleveland area, he is the guy to go to for supplies. Uh, yeah, for everything you need. So I was having a big Oktoberfest party tonight and I was helping them out, uh, downtown. So I got to hear the fireworks after the game. <laughs> we were close enough to hear the fireworks after the game. We just, fortunately, there weren't enough fireworks during the game. Now, of course I have watched the highlights. Of course I have poured over the data and am fully prepared to talk about the one hit the Guardians got. Sh- should we do offense first? So the point, <laughs> the point of this is... Uh, I, I may not be as frustrated with this game as you are. And it's, it's because I didn't get to watch it. Um, you know, I understand if you sat through this entire game and you only got to see your team get one freaking hit, you would probably be pretty fired up. You'd be probably pretty annoyed. Even if it is, you know, after we've already been eliminated from playoff contention and we're literally just running the clock out on this season, we still, you know, those of us crazy enough to still enjoy this game, uh, and still watch this game, uh, do want to be entertained by our baseball team. And I got to imagine if you sat there for all, uh, what was the runtime of this game? Two hours and 23 minutes, and uh, Jimenez's solo home run was the only hit you saw, you would be pretty frustrated. For me, for someone who's just checking in on the game, uh, you know, I look at the box score, I look at the, you know, the final, and I go, well, I kind of feel lucky I didn't have to sit through this one, to be honest with you. So there are still, the reason I'm still sitting here doing a podcast with you is because there are still important things to discuss from this game. Uh, There are storylines, there are important things. Uh, Most importantly, Cal Quantrill and uh, his continued uh, progression, his continued development as uh, someone who hopefully is a different kind of pitcher than the guy we saw at the beginning of the season. And Boy, he sure threw that splitter a ton tonight. So oh, there's definitely something to look into there. Uh, it wasn't a terrible pitching performance. He just couldn't go more than four innings, right? Uh, it was busy on the base paths, uh, but he's able to wiggle out of stuff. Uh, his final line of the day goes four innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, uh, on four and four walks, four strikeouts, no home runs on 93 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. That's it on 93 pitches. That's that's actually a decent. It's just it's a shame all those walks uh, and probably some long at bats in there drive him out of this game after only four innings. And I mean, yeah, I see why he pulled the plug at 93 pitches. Clearly, the guy was laboring and. Uh, you know, luckily, Xavion Curry did decent work in long relief, and Michael Kelly was actually pretty darn good uh, in his two innings of uh, slightly long relief for him there. So, uh, 
on the pitching side of things, I mean, there's a lot in this game that we can't complain about. It was a two to, another one-run game, another two-to-one game. Things you might want to complain about. Uh, you know, obviously not our strongest lineup. We have been complaining about it all street all season. Miles Straw and Cam Gallagher. Freaking Cam Gallagher gets another start. Is Francona's goal to see how low he can get Cam Gallagher's batting average? Like, does he have a bet that Cam Gallagher will finish below 100 for his batting average or below 300 for his OPS? Because that's what we're working towards here. At this point, we have to imagine that's that's the only thing that makes sense is Francona's trying to win a bet. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe Gallagher has some accelerator in his contract if he, if he makes a certain amount of starts or a certain amount of at-bats. Um... So, yeah, so once again, not the strongest lineup they can put on the field. And then Gabriel Arias gets hurt, uh, even though he had a bad strikeout, you know, chased another pitch up above the zone. Uh, so he gets hit, hit uh, and Tana has to come in for him. So, frankly, you know, Tana's not really translated his hitting at the major league level. So that's a pretty weak bottom three in the lineup. And uh, John Means has absolutely no problem carving us up. John Means, who has thrown a no-hitter in his career. Uh, he threw one in twenty May 5th, 2021 against... Uh, it was the 10th no-hitter in Orioles franchise history. It was against the Seattle Mariners, striking out 12 batters while facing the minimum of 27. Um, his only base runner, Sam Haggerty, reached on a drop third strike in the third inning and was subsequently caught stealing, uh, trying to steal second base. So, oh man, that's a brutal way to lose a no-hitter. Um, but so, yeah, so John Means, who has experience doing this, but is also three starts off Tommy John surgery. So, you, you know, I mean, 96 pitches is frankly a ton of pitches for him. Uh, in his two starts uh, before this, uh, he has not come close to 96 pitches. Uh, his game logs for this season, he threw 75 pitches in his first start back and 86 pitches in his second start back from Tommy John surgery. So, uh, throws another 10 tonight. Um, and yeah, uh, you, you knew he probably, at, at the way his pitch count was, you knew he probably wasn't going to finish the game. But uh, definitely, I mean, a fantastic start for John Means. Uh, seven and a third innings pitch, the, the one hit, the solo home run, one walk and one hit batter, four strikeouts uh, on 96 pitches. He's only hard hit four times. He just did a fantastic job of keeping Guardians hitters off balance. I mean, the exit velocities on all his pitches are ridiculously low. They average 79.7 mile per hour exit velocity off him, even off the fastball which they've struggled with all season. They didn't manage to put seven in play. They There was barely any whiff rate for John Means. It's a 13% whiff rate. So they, they were swinging and they were putting them in play. But an average exit velocity off the fastball of 83.7, off the change changeup slider and curveball are all under 80 mile per hour exit velocities. That's what they averaged. So yeah, you could see that he was just keeping them off balance. Going over to the Illustrator, uh, it's a lot of change-ups attacking the zone with a lot of change-ups and a lot of fastball. And f- frankly, he was in the middle of the zone a, a ton in this one. He he was pounding the strike zone. 
The Guardians hitters definitely had their opportunities um, to get some of these. For the uh, right-handed batters, it was a lot of stuff away, a lot of change-ups away that they were putting in play for outs. Um, a few high fastballs and a few low fastballs. For the left-handed batters, it was a little bit of everything. Some change-ups away, some sliders away, and some fastballs away, but he was keeping everything to the outer half of the plate. Um, so that's what Means was doing against our hitters. Now, what was Quantrill doing on the other side? And, you know, we're continuing to keep an eye on him because we have to make a decision. Is Cal Quantrill going to be in this rotation for next year? Has he pitched well enough or have the rookies, you know, set the bar a little higher with the way they've come up here? And have Bybee and Gavin Williams and Allen set the bar high? And maybe Cal Quantrill doesn't match up with that anymore. So uh, what did he do on this night? He threw an insane amount of split finger fastball splitters. Um, absolutely kept everything. Everything. Not one pitch to the glove side of the plate. Everything to the arm side of the plate. I mean, an insane amount of pitches. From the catcher's view, it's the left side of the plate. An insane amount of pitches there. Then was a huge, huge chunk of splitters below the strike zone. Um, he did miss to the glove side high and low. So there were a couple pitches on that side of the plate, but nothing in the strike zone uh, made it to the outside edge of the plate for him. Uh, a few things down the middle, a few things middle away, but uh, most of it, most of it is you know, along the inside edge of the plate for Cal Quantrill to his arm side. Um, yeah, that's a, that's actually an insane amount of pitches in the same location like that. Uh, so his CSW numbers, so he throws the splitter 41% of the time. Now, they did hit it pretty hard, 91.3 mile power exit velocity. So uh, the seven they put in play, they, they had decent contact against it. Uh, but it had a 39% whiff rate. That's that's pretty good. Pretty good. He had a 33% whiff rate overall in the day, which is pretty high for Cal Quantrill, considering he's a pitch-to-contact kind of guy. And a 30% CSW total on the day. So he actually was kind of effective. Kind of effective. He, he does get saved in the first inning. Because they have... I mean, they get to him really early. The first three guys, Gunnar Henderson walks... Rushman singles, Santander doubles into the gap. Uh, but then Ryan O'Hearn hits one to Andres Jimenez at second base. And Rushman hesitates at third base. And what have I told you? I've told you this entire podcast. You can't hesitate in this game. If you hesitate, you are dead. And that's exactly what happens to Adley Rushman here. With the infield playing back, he just needs to go on contact. If he just goes on contact... Chances are Jimenez doesn't even make a throw home. He just probably takes the out at first base. But he hesitates to see how Jimenez is going to play the ball, then decides to run home, and Jimenez, frankly, throws a strike. I mean, throws an absolutely perfect throw home. A lot of infielders would rush that throw, would feel the pressure, maybe spike it or launch it into the you know, stands over the catcher's head. But he throws a strike right there, uh, so the tag from... Uh, from Gallagher can be applied, and uh, it saves, absolutely saves um, Cal Quantrill in this first inning, because I, 
this thing could have gotten really ugly with those first three guys getting on. And then those guys would just do it all night. It's amazing. It's two games in a row now where it's number nine hitter. Uh, you know, before it was Urias. Now it's McCann at catcher. Uh, the number nine hitter, and then turning things over to the top of the lineup who are getting everything done. In fact, Anthony Santander has both RBIs, uh, both in the fifth, in the first and the sixth innings for the Orioles. So I, it's literally they're doing it right now with just the top of the lineup. And it's it's a good top of the lineup. It's, it's young, but good. I mean, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman. Anthony Santander. That's a hell of a one, two, three. You know, I'm I'm looking at it, looking at our one, two, three. I still think our one through three is better. They do our our one through three have better batting averages. They have better OPSs. Um, you know, by a decent margin. Um but uh I I guess it's pretty fair. Quan's OPS is a slightly below uh Rushman's, but then uh Josh Naylor has the highest of the six hitters. Um, I guess, I guess statistically it's pretty even, um, you know, their guys are just, they're new, they're fresh, right? It's a f- new, fresh toy. Uh, it's something exciting in baseball and, uh, yeah, Rushman and Gunnar Henderson are definitely exciting players and, uh, they've been giving, maybe it's just because they've been giving our pitching staff fits all series. So maybe it's just those, uh, you know, uh, caught in the moment kind of thing here, but, I think it's a pretty competitive one, two, three, as far as any team in baseball goes with those three. Um, so, yeah, so Santander uh, gets it done. Santander, again, uh, and we just talked about uh, Caminero getting called up by uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, someone who the Guardians are probably going to regret trading away. Well, Santander's another one that the Guardians front office probably really regrets, but he was picked up in the Rule 5 draft by the Baltimore Orioles. So remember, it is not that the Cleveland front office decided to get rid of him. He was in single-A baseball. He he probably would have started the 2017 season at double-A, at Akron Rubber Ducks. He, he played 2016 in for the Lynchburg Hillcats. And then the next season, he's selecting the Rule 5 draft, and he's he's in the major leagues for the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, that's the Rule 5 draft. They have to keep him in the major leagues or offer him back. It was the major league uh, part of the Rule 5 draft, too. So he had to stay in the majors the whole season. Now, he did start the season on the disabled list, so he didn't debut until late in the season. But he was there. Baltimore took a chance on him, and it's paid dividends. He's been a strong right fielder for them uh, and strong power hitter for them uh, in the middle of that lineup for for going on six years now. So uh, another player that got away. And, uh, yeah, I, the, the what-ifs of baseball, right? The, the I wish you could go back in time and change something, you know, things in baseball. This is definitely one of them. But, how do we, I mean, how do we know? He was in single A for us. And they took a chance and put them all the way in the majors. Um, so, yeah, they, uh, their top of their lineup gives Quantrill uh, fits all night. Offensively for us, I mean, it's nice to see Andres Jimenez hit the home run. Uh, obviously, it's a shame that we couldn't get anything else going. It's a two-out home run in that seventh inning. He hits it at 102.7, 29-degree launching, a 406 feet. Would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. You know, it's actually surprising how bad Andres Jimenez's uh, peripherals look, right? His, his advanced 
metrics kind of uh, look. Because to the eye test, Andres Jimenez is still a really good baseball player. I, I know this hasn't been the best season for him. Right? Last, se- last season, his OPS was over 100 points more. He was an 837 OPS. This year, he's a 716. So, big, big difference there. Huge difference in on ba- big difference in on base percentage and slugging percentage from last year to this year. Um, you know, last year there's a lot more red in his Statcast page. In fact, all right. So his batting run value was plus 21. He was in the 84th percentile last year. This year, his his batting run value is a minus 11, and he's in the 12th percentile this year so that shows you the drop off but just i mean everything average exit velocity is one the first percentile hard hit percentage third percentile chase rate fourth percentile sweet spot 12th percentile it's just expected weighted on base 16th percentile it's just everything everything except for defense and speed on his percentile rankings is just icy icy blue but to the eye test, Andres Jimenez is still a good baseball player, right? He still passes that eye test, and home runs like this are the perfect example of it. We know it's in there. We know it's in there. Man, if Andres Jimenez does have a rebound season next season, it would do so much for this team. This team could go so far if Jimenez figures it out like Josh Naylor figured it out. Right? It's just, God, it would unlock so much for this offense. All right, so it's a frustrating game. Let's turn things over. I mean, it's a two-to-one game. How much more could we possibly analyze here? Let's turn things over uh, to Marlon for his reaction on the loss. I told you, if you watch the whole game, you might be a little more frustrated than I am. And he says, hi, Davey. What a pitiful effort by the offense tonight. They were a solar homer away from getting Van Berkeley-owed, or he says in parentheses, no hit. Mostly by a guy who recently returned from Tommy John surgery. No adjustment at all by the hitters. Kudos to Means for pitching well, but we've seen this all season. Hopefully the new manager does not retain Valleca. Uh, and then he uh, hammers him for starting strong. Gallagher together, we've hammered him all season for this, Marlon, haven't we? Oh, God, they never learn. Uh, he says the pitching was shaky, a bit shaky at times, but they did a great job to hold an elite team like Baltimore to two runs off game. I can't fault them at all. Quantrill labored tonight, but he did do a good job of not giving in and keeping the O's in check. Curry in the long relief role, which is his best role long term. He did a good job of lasting three innings. Michael Kelly was phenomenal. Four K's in two innings show how electric his stuff was tonight. Perhaps Kelly for MVP for the day? I hope Arias is okay. Without him, Freeman and Tanya will get a look to see what they can do. Hopefully, they make the most of their opportunity for however long Arias is out. There's not much left in the season, is there, Marlon? Uh, he says, I'm happy to see Dr. Sticks return tomorrow. That's right, everybody. Tristan McKenzie is making his return to the mound at Progressive Field for tomorrow's series finale. Uh, Marlon says, I've missed him this season, and so has this team. I know he'll be on a pitch count limit. Hopefully, he'll give the team four innings or so and show the flashes of flashes of his electric stuff from last year. Yeah, I just, I'd love to see that fastball really pop the way he makes it pop, right, by getting that great extension. It's not the velocity for McKenzie. It's the extension that makes that ball feel like it's exploding up to the plate. So it'll be really nice to see if he can get that good fastball exploding. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's been so long. I think it's the curveball for him, right, that gets a lot of swing and miss. 
by uh, working the curveball off that fastball. So we'll see what McKenzie has. But thank you, Marlon, as always, for the email. Bob from Highland Heights uh, checked in. He emailed this morning uh, talking about uh, yesterday a little bit. Uh, he said, Davey, I enjoyed the podcast this AM as always. Uh, regards to Classe's blown save, take away the catcher's interference, and I bet he converts. Also, I thought Jose did not play like Jose at third base. So Classe gets the blown save, but he had a lot of help. The man is a true warhorse. Where would we be without him? Great. He says, great sports day. Bearcats, Guardians, and Buckeyes. Go Bearcats. All right. I feel you, Bob. I, I cheer for all my Ohio teams when the time calls for it. But if you stayed up and watched that Buckeyes game, what an ending you got, right? I mean, it was a wild game. I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I did get to see the end of it. And what an ending to that Buckeyes football game. But it's not what we're here to talk about, is it? So, uh, yeah, Class A, Class A has. He's been a workhorse for multiple seasons now. And you're right. We've pointed this out a couple of times, and the emailers have been very good about this. Not all blown saves are necessarily on Class A. There have been some errors. There have been some, you know, some plays that should have been converted, you know, maybe a third base, like he's pointing out the night before. Um, so, yeah, just like wins aren't really that meaningful for relievers, uh, sometimes a blown save might be a simplification of the situation, right? Uh, so I feel you on that one, Bob. So uh, the emailers have weighed in. My turn to decide MVP on the day. Look, I, if you got the only hit in the lineup, the only run, the only RBI, I, I think you earned MVP on the day. Um, so Andres Jimenez, sure, taking home MVP on the day. But I, I'm sure Michael Kelly was great too. I just, at that point, I can't really give you MVP on the day because uh, it, it was a pretty lousy day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I told you there'd be something in here, right? We at least got to talk about Cal Quantrill. We got to talk about Andres Jimenez and, and where the difference is uh, between seasons here. So we found we found the things to talk about within this, within this game, within this almost no-hit by John Means game. By the way, John Means, it's a good name, but it's not the best Means, is it? right? Natron means running back for the San Diego Superchargers. I mean, that's a heck of a name. I think, unfortunately, John Means might be my second favorite uh, Means name. Uh, Natron Means will always have a special place in my heart for someone who was just getting into sports in those, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, I was at the right time for that guy to come on the scene. So, uh, sorry, John Means. Sorry. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. There's still plenty of you out there that I haven't heard from. There's still morning people out there that I haven't heard from, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love for you to contribute to the show, just like Bob and Marlon and Jeff and Jeff do and everybody else uh, who's emailed in this season. So, uh, join the conversation and we'll discuss your thoughts on the show. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.